Well, so as Brent mentioned earlier, we're, we're going to be diving. This is our first Sunday talking about kicking off this, uh, this series on Psalm 119. How many of you have had the chance to read the, the reading for this week? Have you? One person? Two? That's awesome. That's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't lie in church. That's better than that, than, than saying, yeah, yeah, I do that. You know, it's awesome. So the thing about this, this psalm is that if you read it, when you do it, um, <laughs> it's very repetitious. See, the same, the same concepts, the same tone of God's word, God's laws, over and over again, repeated in this, in this entire song, right? And there's a reason why it's mentioned that way. And we have to pay attention to that. So I hope that this morning as we, we take, peel the first layer of this, of this passage, that we will lay a foundation as to what God wants us to understand from this psalm. And the, this is kind of cool. This, this guy, Andrew... Fletcher, he was a Scottish political activist, he said this, he said, let me write the songs of a nation, I don't care who writes its laws. So often songs that we listen to, songs can change nations, songs can actually lead you to believe something that you never would believe otherwise, if someone told you if it were a law. Songs actually build bridges from emotions to words and words to emotions. How often have you been in a place where you hear the song and you're like, yeah, I I relate to that, and you never thought of that concept or that maybe that issue before. How often have you been in love when you hear the song and the song says everything that you feel in your heart, right? Songs really motivate people. I, I, have, I had a friend uh, who, who was talking to me a couple of years ago who was going through a very bitter divorce, and he would come home and t- share with me what's going on, and I would listen more. I, I could not, I did not have any words to really align with this guy, but it was just for me to be there to support him, to pray with him. And one of the last things uh, his wife at that time uh, gave him as a letter before, she, before the divorce was finalized was a, was a poem. It was a written poem. And he had no idea what this was about. He could not, he could not relate to like, what's going on, what, what's, this, what's this about? And I saw the, the letter and it was actually a song. It was a song by Rihanna, I Love the Way You Lie. And she just said, this is, this is it. This is what I think about you. This is what I think our relationship is all about. And here's the song that, that I want to tell you to express what I feel. So often songs are very powerful. They motivate us. They, they change our opinions. They validate emotions that are in us. And this morning, I want us to uncover this passage and ask God, what do you want to uncover in me? What do you want me to grasp from this passage? How should I align my life based on this song, okay? So I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a few examples of how the word joy is used in the Bible. So in Romans 12, verse 12, it says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, it says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, I am joyful in weaknesses, joyful in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Again, Paul again says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to show you the first three verses of Psalm 119. Okay? And I want you to take a minute, since you didn't read it at home, to read it quietly, 
very shortly. Psalm 119, verse 1, 2, and 3. You got it? Awesome. So take a second to, to read this, and we'll start talking about it. So quite a few words stand out to you, right? There are certain words that are very, very repetitious. But there is one word that really stands out. This, this song, this really long song, begins with this word, joyful. And it's repeated twice in the first three verses. So today, I want to talk about joy. And the, the title of my teaching, my sermon this morning is, Joy, How Can It Be? And before we get going, I want to ask you all a question. I want to ask you, are you joyful? Like, are you joyful in the Lord? I think so often we, we have defined it in our own ways and justified our lack of joy. I've done that to my, to my own self. So I really want to ask you this morning, are you joyful? Are you joyful in the Lord? Where's your joy? And I pray that this morning that God will reveal to us how we have lost our joy, if we have lost that joy in the Lord. And if you've never experienced God's joy, you don't know what that even is, or you're confused about happiness and other things that you run to, I pray that this morning that you will understand in a profound way what joy actually is, what biblical, what, what does God mean when he says that we had the joy of God, of, of, of salvation, that, he is, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. What does that even mean? I hope and pray that God will reveal that to you this morning. Okay? So I, I don't want to get into defining it. I want us to talk about what joy is, okay? but I want to begin with this. I want to begin with this platform that we all can agree on, that joy has everything to do with God and nothing to do with us and our circumstances. Okay? Joy has everything to do with God and nothing to do with us, with you and me and our circumstances. And there's a huge difference between knowing what joy is and experiencing God's joy. Is that fair? Right? We can know what it's, what it's all about. We can read about it in the book, in, from the Bible, from other books, but experiencing God's joy is a whole different story. So I want you to have an open mind to this this morning and we'll talk, and I, and I hope that you will understand not just over here, but you'll understand what joy is in your heart this morning. So looking at the, the first two verses in Psalm 119, it says, Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey God's laws and search Him with all their hearts. The first thing you see is that we find joy when the Word is the source of all our desires. If we have other things in our lives that, that, are, that give us joy, that give us happiness, because joy does not come from, joy comes from God, but we run to other things to satisfy us, right? When we do that, we lose the joy of the Lord. So I want to ask you guys a question. How often do we, do we do it? And it may be very subtle. It may not be that we willfully do this. You know, having a hobby is not a bad thing. You know, if you love hunting, if you love fishing, I love cycling, you know, it could be whatever it is. But if I come to a place where I have to do this activity, it could be even music, that I have to do this activity to find joy, to find peace. I've lost the whole plot. I have made that thing that God has given me as a blessing, as an idol. And now I'm running to that thing and not God anymore. And I've destroyed what God has given me that's a blessing for my life. God can use your, your hobbies. God can use your passion to, to bless you, to, to minister to you. Camping can be great for you to find peace and solitude and experience God in a profound way. But if you have come to a place to believe that you have to do this very often to find joy, you've lost the plot. God can give you joy without you going camping. 
I've known people in my life who travel a lot, who love to travel, who love to go on cruises and everything. They, they travel every month almost, but they have no joy because they have this belief that when they leave town, when they go here, when they travel around, they'll find that peace that they're looking for. They'll find that joy. But guess what? It, it's temporary, right? And then you start spending more money on your hobby, on your interests that you, that you have that, that temporarily satisfies you, and that quest never ends. You end up getting obsessed about it because you, you think this is what I should get. This is how I get my joy and my peace, and you keep running after it. It never ends. How many of us can relate to that? that you've used what God has given you as a fun thing and you've made it into a, an obsession, into an idol, and you wonder why you're not joyful. In Galatians 5, verse 13, it says, for you have been called to live in freedom. We are called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The truth of the matter is that a beautiful thing that God has given you, it could be a job that you love, can become sin. Because you're obsessed about getting that promotion, getting a pay raise, right? Maybe God has given you a beautiful home, and you're obsessed about getting it upgraded or buying a new house, and, and we feel like this will satisfy us, right? We lose that focus, and then we lose, we lose joy. I'm pretty sure that if I asked all of you this morning to tell me 10 things that you, are not, that you feel like could be better, that could be a little better, right? Could be your appearance, could be your health, could be a job, I'm sure you'll give me a 10-point list right away. But if I asked you to give me one thing that, you're, that you are content about, that you feel like, yes, this is what God has given for me, and I'm content right now, it'll be really hard for you to think about. Joy comes when all those things that you're not content about, that you feel like are lacking, everything on that list, you come to a place to say, God, I'm content. Even though it's not fun, even though it's not the way I would want it, I am content with where I am in you, because you are more than enough for me. These things don't matter anymore. You know, we've heard this stuff before, but I want you to think about it. I want you to apply it to your life. This applies to health as well. There are some dear friends in my life right now who are going through a very hard time with illness. And it's, it's really hard to say, God, I'm content with where I am right now. I believe that God can heal. God can heal anyone that he chooses to heal. I truly believe that. But certain times, he chooses not to heal. And he chooses us to walk through that journey that's painful. Are we willing to be content with God through that process? And I want to be clear. It's not just saying, God, I'll be content right now because I know you're going to make me feel better tomorrow. If that happened, amen, I'll take it. But at times, sadly, it may get worse. Are you content with that as well? When we focus, when we, when we have this crazy focus on God and His Word, every other thing just disappears. It doesn't matter then what's happening because we can boldly say, God, I'm content in you. Even if it gets better or worse, I'm content how you've made me right now and what's happening in my life right now. So I, I want to challenge you all this morning, as even right now, if you want to write down on your phone, on your piece of paper of the things that you have to surrender to God and say, God, I want to be content in these areas of my life. I've been so focused on stuff and I've made these things rob and steal the joy that you've given me. I want to focus on you. I want to be joyful. I want to be content in who I am in Christ. And if that means that you write that down and you ask yourself that question every morning before you leave your house to remind yourself that you are 
that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has you in a place right now for a reason. And he is glorified through it no matter what is happening in your life. First Peter 2 verse 16 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. And when we think of evil, we think of these bad guys right in the movies, right? <laughs> doing horrible things. But when we take a gift that God has given us and made it into an idol, that becomes evil. It could be anything. It could be, um, our, uh, it could be a job. It could be ministry. It could be us volunteering and serving in the church, and it becomes an obsession. You want to do things that, you, that God does not want you to do, but you f- have this, this, this drive, this obsession about doing certain things that really is not your calling. It can become evil, and in the process, you lose the joy of the Lord. I, I love how, how John Piper says it in Desiring God. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. May all our desires be met in God and his word and nothing else. We have the privilege of living this life with God's goodness, that we have homes, we have families, we have kids, we have puppies, we have fun things to play with, right? We have toys, we have technology, good stuff. But those things should never take the place of God in our lives, should never be a replacement for what true joy is. Only God should satisfy every longing, every passion, every desire in your heart. Amen? So first thing we learn is that we find joy when the Word is the source of all our desires. The second thing we see in Psalm 119 verse 3 is that it says, they do not compromise with evil and they only walk in His paths. We find joy when the Word is the standard of all morality. I think, you know, we are in a time where culture dictates a lot of things. It dictates a lot of things of what we believe and what we choose, what we choose to believe. And it depends on the, your, your, your peer circle at work, you know, maybe at school, your neighbors. We all have this very, uh, we've got to be careful, right, what to say, what we, what we believe, because it may offend someone. And the truth is, if I cherry-pick what I want to believe from the Word of God, I decide what is true to me, and I pick and choose what applies to my life, I will not have God's joy, period. Not going to happen. I have to say, God, this is your word. It's hard because it challenges me in so many ways to change the way I live, change the way I see things around me. But I want to honor you by following you and doing what your word says. And this is the truth. And I'm going to confine, I'm going to change my lifestyle to match what your word says, not the other way around. When I do that, I'll have joy. And you'll have joy. You know, we, when you look for relevance without truth, it becomes irrelevant. When you let, let culture dictate what you believe, you will never land on a spot because cultures change, just so you know. Nations come and go, but God's word never changes. So if you're going to depend, base your faith on what people are telling around you, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never, never be able to satisfy everyone around you. That's not going to happen. There's only one person we should be satisfying and being careful about is God's word and aligning our lives with God's word. So this morning, I want to ask you, how... How truthful are you with that? Are you compromising your life because it doesn't align with the way you believe? Look, how, how dare we? How dare we say, I know better than this word? You know, I, I see things clearly, so I think I got this figured out. And this word of God thing, a little outdated, a little old school for me. I'm more civilized than that. I'm more smarter than that. 
and I'm going to adapt what I think is best that will suit my life and my choices. That's nothing but arrogance. Nothing but arrogance. And I pray that God will convict you. If that is you, that we'll be humble to say, God, I'm so sorry for being, for being arrogant. And the sad thing is, this is the thing. We will pick and choose what we think is true for us, and then when life gets hard, we'll blame God for it. Some of it's, again, God's fault. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God. Everything. Everything is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's it. If you, and the, the thing is, there's nothing wrong in, in, having, in having tension, having struggles and saying, God, this is what your word says, but I don't understand why. I don't, I don't get it. Help me understand your word better. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why we have gospel communities. That's why we sit together, we eat food, we talk about God's word. Say, God, help me understand this. I want to be teachable here, but help me with this. It's when I read this and I say, I don't like it, and I want to move on. And then I find people who can support my incorrect view. That's not right. That's not going to work. So if you are having some areas in your life that you struggle with God's word, talk about it in your groups and say, hey, I don't understand this word. I don't get this passage. And wrestle with that. That's how we learn God's word. That's how we grow in maturity. You know, Brent mentioned this earlier this week when I was chatting with him about the passage for this week. I, I just realized that, <laughs> you know, we as Christians, we, we lack joy. That's very evident, sadly, because you know why? The best way to see, to know if someone is joyful or not, it's very simple. Look at their eyes. Their eyes will tell you if they're joyful or not. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, you will, you will see this person is a believer, this person is joyful because I see a glow in their face. They are joyful. You, I'm sure you've seen people who walk into the, a store and you're like, hey, this person's got to be a believer because I see this glow about them. And so often I've been to churches where I don't see that. I don't see the joy of the Lord in a lot of us. We are just barely making it, it feels like. It feels like we are struggling, we're dragging our feet to God, I i got to do this. i got to follow you. I gotta, ah, it's so hard. It's so hard. Where is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Why are we so weak? Why are we so broken? Because we, we haven't embraced God's word. We have all these distractions around us. We have all these other apps, our games, our toys. We don't come to God for, for validation, for our identity. We compromise in sin over and over again. We are functioning sinners in our church. In, in churches, we, we just... No, we've believed that there are, there are things that I cannot change. This is what I do. I sin in this way, and uh, God is good, and His grace is good, and I'm going to keep moving on. We do that, and we wonder why we're not joyful. How would you be joyful? And the truth is, you will never stop sinning, okay? You'll never stop committing sin. But if there's no repentance, if there's no, God, help me, help me to stop doing this. Help me to align my life to your word you'll see joy. So if you look at this Psalm 119, after the first three verses and following, you see a change in tone of the song, the way it goes. And it's very similar, similar to how David in all his psalms have, has a similar approach to it, where there are two things that get, gets David really, really afraid or you know, uh, disappointed or discouraged, right? There are two things. The first thing is when he takes his eyes off God, he starts, he starts seeing people around him like, oh, my enemies are over there. They're going to kill me. And 
they are laughing and mocking at me. You know, they are insulting me. That's David looking away from God and everything that's happening around him. And the second thing you see, David losing his joy is when he falls in sin. David says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Because he knew this joy was gone because when he fell in sin. And another thing about David that really, really is, is amazing about this guy is that he never knew Jesus Christ. You guys know that? He never knew Jesus. You know that, right? Yeah. Old Testament, right? There was no Jesus back then. Okay? Only God the Father, right? And David, David saw God's word as a way to know God. It wasn't a way to follow rules, but a way to know God. And David, in his limited knowledge back then, based on what they had available, he knew that God was a personal being, that God was interested in, know, in, in, in having a relationship with David. The, the weird thing is that the intimacy that David had with God, when he says, as the deer pants for the waters, my soul longs for you, God. The passion that David had for God in the Old Testament is much more genuine, much more sincere than most of what most of us who know that Christ, that Jesus who was the Word, he became flesh and lived among us. We know this truth. And our devotion, our passion for God, sadly, is, is not as, as deep and authentic as the way David, David had this relationship with God that we that I wish I had. So that takes me to my last point. We first see that we see that we find joy when the word is the source of all our desires. We find joy when the word is the standard of all morality. We find joy when we know the Savior. When we know the Savior. David knew the Savior. Amazing. He knew that God was his Savior. I love, I love John 15, verse 11. It says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. This is Christ telling the disciples, and that your joy might be full. The, the commandments, the, the laws, and all these things are there that we have to follow, right? And if we don't connect the dots between the law and Christ, that Christ became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived, dwelt among us, right? This law became Christ. God, God became man, that we might know him. And if I see all the commandments, all the laws that I have to follow, and I do that without Christ, I will fail. I will not get it. It'll, and Paul says that the law was given that will <laughs> reveal to us how much we fail, how much we will not be able to do that. But if I see God's word, God's laws, as a way to know Christ, to have this relationship with Christ, then it's life-changing. It's life-giving. And so often I think we... We read the word because we have to read the word. It's a chore. It's one more thing I gotta get. I gotta read the word every day, so I'm gonna get it done as soon as I can. Get it off my checklist, and then I'll move on. And the beauty of that is God is still glorified. It's His word. He will still talk to you. He can do that. But that's not the way we are supposed to read God's word. It should be a desire in us to say, God, I want to know you more. I want to know your Son Jesus more. I want to understand what is His will for my life through your word. And when I look at Scripture with that mind, with those eyes, it comes to life. It brings conviction. It brings clarity. I find joy in His Word then when I know the Savior. Philippians 3, verse 7, following, it says, this is Paul talking. It's pretty cool. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, all the stuff that he had learned and all the law and everything. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Romans 7 verse 21 says, I have discovered this principle of life. And this is really interesting because Paul is this guy who says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? He, he was definitely a follower of Christ. But this, was what, this is what Paul, Paul says, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's love with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that, I still, that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And this is beautiful. Look at this. It says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Paul talking But how he wants to do things that are good and holy and right, but he still does what's wrong. But thank God we have Christ. Amen. Thank God you and I have Christ, that we can know God's will, that we can be content in this lifetime by knowing Christ. This morning I want to ask you, You might be at church. You might have been in church all your life. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Is He the one that you run to when you have difficulty? Or do you run to everything else and then you also pray? And then you do what you want to do, but you also pray. And hopefully, you know, it'll work out. Because I'm smart enough to figure it out. I'm still praying, so God will still intervene, right? But God is one option among all the other options that you have laid out for your life. If that's the way you see your life, He's not your savior. He's not the main person in charge of your life. He's not your Lord and savior. I really pray that God will convict us this morning in revealing to us why we have lost the joy of the Lord. This morning, I want to I uh, ask you really, what is, do you realize, is God revealing to you what is the stumbling block between his joy and you? Is God revealing it to you? If he is, I want you to write that down, journal it, um, if you're not a journal kind of guy, talk to someone, pray. Talk in your groups and, and repent and give it to God. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be joyful. So I want to, I want to share um, my little definition of what joy is. You want to hear it? <laughs> if you, even if you say no, I'm going to still say it. Okay, <laughs> just so you know. Okay. So joy is the result of being completely satisfied in Christ, sanctified by his word and surrounded by God's people, no matter what the circumstances are. I'll say it again. Joy is the result of being completely satisfied in Christ, sanctified by his word, and surrounded by God's people, no matter what the circumstances are. I had this uh, customer come into the store a couple of months ago, and I work in the Apple store, just so you know. And uh, she had this flip phone that she wanted me to help her with. I was like, okay, there's a big Apple sign there. Here's a flip phone. <laughs> what am I going to do with you, right? And... I asked him more questions to know what was going on, and I found out that, that uh, there were some recordings, some audio recordings on this phone from her husband who had passed away. And I had no idea how to retrieve them. She wanted them to be copied to a computer. So I, we spent about an hour and a half together trying to figure out this phone, how to make it work. And we finally got it to work. We got the audio recordings that were there off that phone and onto a laptop. And I cannot express to you, I cannot explain to you her her emotions when she heard that. Um, I don't know how long he was dead. He had passed away since this event that happened. But there was this, this joy that she had and also grief at the same time when she was hearing these audio recordings, right? And I, it made me realize that we have God's word with us. I really wish we would have 
that kind of joy and appreciation towards God's word. When we hear his voice, when we listen, when we read his scripture, it's alive, it's living. And the truth about those audio recordings, though, is that as time goes by, they value those, the value of those recordings will disappear, will diminish. But his words, God's words, are alive. They transform lives. They will never diminish. How, how convicted are you in not respecting God's word, in not revering, in not understanding what we have in our hands? We look at this as another book to read. We have our reading material. We love reading novels and all the stuff in the Bible, too. If you don't honor God's word, you will never know the Savior. So joy is not based on feelings, okay? But I can guarantee you that if you are joyful, no matter what you're feeling, you will rejoice. It's a good feeling. It's okay to be happy. Feelings are from God. God made feelings, okay? You can rejoice in suffering. You can be peaceful during painful events that happen in your life. Joy is not always just bootstrapping and dragging our feet to somehow find ways to rejoice and be thankful. There might be a season when we have to persevere, when we have to say, God, I don't feel it, but I'm still going to read your word. I'm going to still meditate on your word. That's, that's a great thing to do. But the journey of experiencing God's joy does not end there. When you persevere through that hard time, you will experience God's joy. So this morning, I want us to, together, I want us to read this passage for today, okay? Psalm 19, the beginning and the very end of this passage. I want us to read it together. And may this be our prayer today. Okay, so let's, let's all stand up. And I want us to take a minute to, to think about what we're going to read, okay? So often we read the Bible, we um, sing songs, we even pray without even thinking about it because we say the same thing over and over again. It's lost its meaning. And this morning, before we read this passage together, I want, you to, I want you to ask God to search your heart and see how you have gone away from the joy of the Lord. We have, you've found things that are not real joy, that are temporary satisfactions that you have run to, that you have found, and you've been using them to satisfy your, your desire, your joy that God wants you to fill you with from his word. If there's sin in you that you've been justifying, I pray that God will convict you this morning, that he'll give you a passion to truly seek for forgiveness, for reconciliation, that there'll be genuine conviction that God gives you from his word. Okay, so let's, let's read this and mean what we read. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Oh, Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments. O oh Lord, 
I have longed for your rescue, and your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you, and may your regulations help me. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me. I have not forgotten your commands. God, I pray that you will remind us of your word and how beautiful your word is, God, and how it changes us to know you more. I pray, God, that this morning you'll remind us that you want us to be joyful. And I pray that if there are people in our church this morning who haven't experienced your joy, that you will show them what true joy is from you. Fill us with joy, God, and may that joy be our strength. We need you, Father. We need your strength to go through and make it each day. Reveal to us, Father, how we should change to know you more and to experience your joy. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.